Welcome to our audience for the Business Matters Podcast. We're doing this from the Wind Technology Studio here in the Chamber Office. And, of course, we want to recognize our Paragon sponsor, Royal Credit Union. Thank you very much to both of those strong supporters of the Chamber and all we do. Today, I am very pleased to introduce to you Dr. David Usher and his wonderful practice and business, which we're going to allow him to kind of explain and go over. But I also want to highlight they were just this year's recent small business of the year at Bravo to Business. And so, David, congratulations. But let's start off a little bit of your story. How did this become? I mean, what was it in your life that you decided to break away, we will say, from the system to create something brand new? Uh, Thank you, Dave, for having me, and thanks to the Chamber for uh, a really fun award. My team really deserved um, that kind of recognition. They bust their tails doing really great stuff for us. So, um, man, that was nice for them to get recognized that way. Um, uh, My name is Dave Usher, of course. I'm a family doctor, and uh, I came out of residency in, in 1996, uh, which is where you get trained as a family physician. And uh, I spent a couple of years in Kodiak, Alaska, uh, working for a native association there, the Kodiak Area Native Association. And uh, after that, we decided to move back closer to home. And uh, Eau Claire was a place I had actually spent a month at then Luther Middleford. And so we decided to come back this way. So in 1999, I started working with uh, what was then Luther Middleford. And uh, that evolved over the next 12 and a half years from uh, Duluth and Middleford Mayo Health System. And then eventually uh, Mayo Clinic kind of put their three shields on it and called it Mayo Clinic Health System. uh, And it is now um, what it is today. Uh, As as a physician, uh, it's always been a little bit in my nature to be, I don't want to say disruptive, but curious about why things are and how can we make things better mm-hmm. and more efficient and uh, and so on. And uh, so over my 12 and a half years with um, the Mayo Clinic, I was involved in uh, committees, uh, Six Sigma training, lean management. Uh, we I helped um, start the customer service department. I was training employees at okay. all levels and yep. customer service and so on. Um, I won't call myself a political junkie, but I do follow at least national politics, um, if only for the entertainment value, uh, <laughs> but at the time. So um, uh, in 2009 and into 2010, I was uh, following along as the Affordable Care Act legislation sure. was being uh, discussed and evolving and so forth. Uh, and And I could see kind of at every step that what, what was going to grow out of that, economically speaking, um, uh, was basically a supply and demand issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing that if you require all these businesses and all these individuals to buy insurance um, and and require them to give away, it's not giving away, but to, to provide free physicals uh, and free preventive things and all these things that have a $0 cost. Assuming that people took advantage of that, which naturally they would, um, that would mean that the the premiums for insurance were going to go through the roof. And knowing, again, economically, there's nothing an employer can do to absorb all that cost. Right. 
um, very easily, and they would have to cost shift to um, their employees. And therefore, deductibles would start to climb, right? And the deductibles start to climb, and and suddenly what's marginally affordable in healthcare now becomes unaffordable. So uh, when you're seeing people for routine diabetes care or high blood pressure or depression or asthma or things that are very common, uh, and when you want to order routine things on those people like spirometries and lab work and so on, uh, that just becomes incredibly expensive. And and we know, well, I learned in my 12 and a half years here that Western Wisconsin is one of the highest cost areas in the country for healthcare. I think Indianapolis is probably the only focal area that's more expensive than than this region. So um, what I could see is that my patients already, we would have to have conversations about delaying care, deferring care because of the cost of things. And this was only going to make that worse over time. I thought, you know, I can spend the next 20 years of my life talking to patients about why they should try to afford this instead of some other thing that they really want to do. Or I can step out of the system and uh, do something different that allows people to to give them the give them some power back. Sure. Right. Yep. Right. I don't. Maybe I'm not going to cure their asthma, but I can make it less expensive to care for it in a Correct. in yep. a good, high quality way. So, uh, at about the time that, uh, literally on the day that uh, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act was signed into law, I learned about a model of care that was doing exactly what I wanted to do, which is cut out all the insurance billing, the Medicare, uh, Medicaid, all the third-party payment system uh, that would then allow for me to open a practice with myself and literally one medical assistant. And um, she would answer the phones and draw blood and room the patients, and I would see them and uh, prescribe therapy and so forth. and that is how we started. We we were uh, in those days. We were charging fifty five dollars for an office visit, and um, an associated lab work and so forth. And um, that's kind of evolved now. Figuring out kind of the model and so forth. It's it's more expensive than that, uh, but still a really great deal, relatively speaking. The other thing that I knew at the time would really make this work uh, was the fact that I was. Uh, specialty trained in obesity medicine. Okay. And I had had some experience, uh, again, at Mayo Clinic with uh, their weight management center. And um, alongside of that, or in parallel with that, I had begun to also dig into obesity medicine kind of as a specialty and uh, got to see a really broad scope or broad perspective on, on that. So I started seeing some patients who were in for primary care, but I could see their primary problem really was was not blood pressure and not diabetes. It was their body weight. Sure. So uh, we started treating them specifically for obesity, saying we can either put you on diabetes drugs or blood pressure drugs, or I can put you on weight loss drugs and put you on a diet. And, and to help you stay on the diet, we use the weight loss medicine. So people started um, losing tremendous amounts of weight, Uh, We started working with the gastric bypass team uh, as their pre-surgical weight loss program, and and some of those patients would lose so much weight they didn't need surgery anymore. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So um, that that was really successful. So I knew if we 
stepped out and offered primary care alongside medical weight loss services that we could probably make a go of this weird business model uh, for primary care. And um, uh, two years after opening then, uh, I had a contractual arrangement that uh, required me to work 25 out, 25 miles from my previous location, so I opened in Menominee. Okay. Um, and and Dunn County is not a very wealthy county. It's uh, probably among the, the lowest median household incomes in the state. And um, knowing that we could make it work in Dunn County, I thought this can probably work anywhere. Sure. Uh, that anybody is wants to be sensible with their with their finances. So um, after two years, while we were getting really busy in Menominee, I had to make the choice to come back to Eau Claire because it was closer to home, frankly. And um, so we closed the Menominee office temporarily. I mean, we closed that one. Uh, came back to Eau Claire in 2013 and started um, doing what we do here. And um, the way we do things has evolved a little bit. Uh, but since then, we've grown to from me and uh, from myself and a uh, medical assistant to a staff of about 30 people, eight or nine providers. Um, we've all, Now we're offering some psychiatric services with a nurse practitioner, and we've, we're looking at bringing on a psychotherapist okay. and so on. So there's some real, I mean, it's just really evolved. And they're finding what the needs of the, of the folks are and sure. trying to offer that at a price point that they can afford is still kind of our goal. So one of the issues in our area right now, of course, and, and I don't want to go too far off in this, but is workforce, is finding bodies. Because you have such a different model of somebody going through medical school and, you know, you go to a hospital, you work for them, do you find it hard to attract clinics, doctors, nurses to what you're doing versus maybe where they thought they would be going? That's a really great question. There's a couple... There's a, a the direct answer, and then there's also kind of a a side note I'll add on. Uh, one is what I and as I was just ex- explaining to um, your producer Chelsea here, it's probably about every week or every other week now I have a physician, a nurse practitioner, a PA, somebody reaching out to me saying, "Hey, do you have room for me?" Okay. Uh, providers are so physicians particularly, um, whether they'll say it directly or not, many, uh, particularly in primary care, uh, are so burned out by the system. It's probably, I'm going to guess there's 75% of providers will admit to burnout Okay. Um, in some form. Uh, the tougher, the heavier lift we have in some respects is not the providers so much as um, the medical assistants, medical receptionists, um, and that type of staff. Sure. Um, and that's been a bit of a struggle. And so um, we've been kind of muddling through that, and we have some turnover uh, now and then. Um, but generally, once you get people in, we have a, a way of interviewing people to make sure they kind of fit our right. our core value framework, right, including that financial piece. Um, and so we, we've been pretty successful at getting people we've had um just last week prior to the award ceremony the day before the award ceremony for bravo to business we had a patient pre, um patient uh employee appreciation day okay which is the first time we've ever taken an entire day off closed the clinic everybody got together um 
and we had uh, so out of thirty people, we had um, seven or eight people who had been with us for over five years out of eleven, and um, a couple of people who've been with us for seven, and and several who've been with us for over ten years now. So our our turnover has been pretty low. We've been really blessed with that. So um, what that says to me is it's a fun place to work, and, yep. and our employees find what we do valuable also. I think that has a lot to do with that. They just know what what we're doing yep. is meaningful. Um, so this, this kind of goes back to your first question, but it also uh, speaks to that workforce thing. One of the things that we started doing – nine years ago now is working with employers on a membership type basis or direct primary care basis. And, and so, um, that from an economic development standpoint and from a recruitment and retention standpoint, if the patients understand if the employee or if it's a guy, the employee's wife (laughs) understands the value of, of that kind of, uh, we call it near site clinic model or direct primary care for employers model where people can go in for zero dollars or, I mean, very, very inexpensive office visits, um, depending on their plan structure. They can go in all they need to and they can call us and they can text us and portal messages or whatever it is that they need to do. We don't have to drag them in and bill them for things because they've already paid us. Right. You know, it's like a cell phone membership. So um, that is, and one of the benefits of working with us is you're free to use one of our providers for your primary care for your family, if you're comfortable doing that. Not okay. every not every employee is, but most of them are. And sure. So and they recognize the value of that. If they go over to one of the big systems. They're they're liable to wind run into a huge bill, and if they can see our people for free, um, wow, that's a lot of extra benefit for them. So, um, anyway, so that recruitment and retention. So that's what I just reminded me of the employer side of things because that's really a. a a big thing there the employers that we work with there's about 20 of them and they're 20 21 um and their people really love it because they just they know they can get in today or tomorrow and they're just going to cost them next to nothing or nothing at all so if i'm an employer out there what kind of employee account do i need to maybe take advantage of that of that type of program our smallest employer right now is probably i think about 12 employees um, uh, and our largest one is, f- well, people on the plan, let's say 25 people on the plan. Um, no, did I say 12, 12 people on their plan. Uh, our largest is 1400, almost okay. 1500. Uh, we've got a number that are up around a thousand, uh, and then a number that fall into that hundred to 200 range. Okay. So the best fit for, for doing that is to be in a self self-funded or level-funded plan where you can see some benefit from the cost savings that you get when you're fully funded. Um, it's That can be beneficial as well, but in a different way. Um, it can kind of help l- flatten your premiums out, but a self-funded company or self-funded like uh, the Chippewa Falls School District works where we do their on-site clinic for them. Uh, millions and millions of dollars they've saved with us over five years. Okay. Yeah. We just celebrated our five-year anniversary with them. That was on. That's great. Yeah, yeah. 
a low carb breakfast. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, was, well, actually, there are probably some donuts there. But I don't think anybody ate them. I think they all deferred to me and didn't <laughs> didn't go for the donuts. Well, at least while uh, you were there, right? While I was there, yeah. <laughs> uh, we left it all behind. So who knows what the, the football anyway, team came in shortly after. Right, and that, hopefully all that's those. hopefully that's who ate those. Yes, those guys who would go burn that off right away. Um, so anyway, uh, it's a big range and. That can scale up to, you know, I mean, there are big companies that have been doing this for years. Ford sure. Motor Company, for example, um, you know, they've had on-site clinics for years and years. And we, so we do, um, we have the one on-site clinic at, at the Chippewa School District. And um, otherwise, it's near-site clinic stuff. They People use us as their near-site clinic. And rather than having to, um, uh, the word's not collude, collaborate. Rather than collaborating with a bunch of employers to try to get together enough people to be uh, their own shared site clinic, they can just work with us directly and we can okay. be their near site clinic. And then they have all the options of all of our providers, all of our locations in Hudson and Menominee and Eau Claire. And soon to be Lake Alley, we're opening a, oh. a, another location um, uh, at the Village Shops of Lake Alley. So we'll be okay. next to Shopco Optical, if you all know where that is. Yeah. Aldi, yep. across from Walmart. Okay. Um, and, and when will you be opening that? We're looking to uh, January of 23. Okay. Yeah, construction is underway. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, again, no, so the next, I guess to me, the next logical question, if I'm a business sitting here listening to it, how? What is the starting point for me? Do I contact you? Is there someone on your staff that can kind of take a look at what I, as a business owner, what I'm paying, what my employees are on to what you could do for that? Right. Um, that's a that's a wonderful question. We are, as always, a higher level uh, answer to the answer you're asking me. Oh yes. To provide, we have uh, experience working with um, some brokers and advisors, uh, but we have evolved to the point where we basically tell the employer and we'll tell um, brokers, advisors, consultants, whatever, um, get us get us in front of the employer first. If you okay. want to meet with us, you want us to give you a quote, we need the employer in the conversation. So a lot of employers will come to us directly and they can reach out. I mean, if they come through info at reformmedicine.com, it'll come to me and we'll okay. we'll get them. It, Diane Peterson is our uh, chief um, in that department, let's call it sales and marketing. Um, and she is kind of the, the linchpin point. But generally, the two of us will sit down with the employer and, and look at what they're doing and, and talk about that. Okay. Um, some employers will bring their broker advisors along and some won't. They just kind of, but we like, if we think of it as a, a doctor patient relationship sure. with the employer, right? Yeah. Um, I don't, the, who they have around them helping them do what they do is fine, but I want to look them in the eyes and say, tell me where it hurts, yep. right? Yep. Um, and then we can, then we can tell you how working with us might help that. Um, uh, some brokers advisors are really good at, explaining what we do but a lot of them still don't understand all the nuances of that and we'd rather present that to the employer ourselves rather than go through an rfp process or something where you don't sure. get a a direct conversation with the employer because their employers generally um recognize the value of mm -hmm. the people who work for them and the really good ones really just love their people right yeah. they just want 
want to provide the best they can possibly provide, but there's always a limit on the money, right? Right. So um, when they understand, when we can have that conversation with them and get them to recognize that when they're paying us f- for primary care, that's it. There's no, there are no surprises with us, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and we don't, we're, we're completely independent. We have no relationships with insurance agents. Nobody's paying us to sell something. We don't pay them to sell us. We don't pay commissions to anybody. Uh, it is truly just you and me, the sure. employer and okay. reform medicine, trying to get the best value we can for your healthcare dollar. Um, what employers need to know, and and sometimes the not everybody at the table understands this. Um, there are just kind of standard ways of counting and measuring the value of something, and what always, what often pops up is. If we pay you this amount of membership dollars per month, how's that going to compare to what if if we paid for those same services somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Um, and often that's about the same. Okay. Right. What they don't recognize, or what that type of calculation doesn't recognize, is that by providing that membership, people who on your current plan are medically homeless because they don't want to get surprised with the medical bill. Sure. Um, because they've had terrible experiences with what's called the system in the past. They simply won't use the health care that you're providing. You're providing insurance. You're not really providing health care. Yep. When you pay for the health care already and people can use it, it's kind of like a cell phone. You can talk and text and unlimited data and all these things. Or you can, you know, look at your cell phone once a day and see what the date is, you know, or right. check the weather. Yep. Doesn't matter. It's but it's available to all the people okay. equally, right? Sure. So if they need to come in over and over and over, we'll see them once a week if we have to or I tell I tell employers I'll see your people every day if we need to if that's what it takes to get them under control for something. Never happens. Right. But but, but we could, right. right? And it would cost the patient um very little or nothing depending on their health plan. Uh, I keep saying that if you have an HSA in place, uh, we have to charge something so that uh, they call it fair market value, but we have to charge something so that uh, people don't run into trouble with their personal uh, federal taxes. Sure. Right. Because of the HSA and the way it's structured. But um, so under this, under this approach, it's almost best to not have an HSA. Just take all the money you're not going to spend against your deductible and put it in your bank account, and there's your HSA. <laughs> there okay, okay. Yeah. So, again, as, as we talk often around here, you know, 68, 70-some percent of our 1,200 investors are 25 employees or less. You know, and again, you know, pre-Obamacare, you know, the, the, there were plans across the country that allowed chambers to cooperate together to offer health insurance plans to to their members is there anything today through you or, or something where maybe three five ten businesses that maybe have eight ten employees could come together under one system or is it really they're they're still left out there that that that's not an option i think that's a possibility i the um what we have not done, another, here's the higher level answer again. 
there's a a concept out there which has taken hold, and there's I guess there's now about 60 of these practices across the state called direct primary care practices, where a family physician, um, usually family physician, might be an internist, um, but a physician opens a practice and says, all we're going to do is take memberships. And it's pre- pretty easy. You give them a credit card number, and every month you your credit card gets tagged for whatever your membership dollar okay. amount is, and that is variable across the country. It might be $75 a month or $150 a month, depending on where you are and where you live. Um, but people can sign up as individuals, right? You can sign okay. up as families and so forth. Um, when we start dealing with employers who are paying us directly and so forth, uh, very often there's a, a backside to that where um, if their broker, particularly if their broker's involved, they'll want data, you know, yeah. utilization. Are we getting a good, you know, is this a good deal? Um, and so there's some administrative costs to dealing with that and okay. uh, uploading and knowing who all those people are, which is why we haven't gotten down to that eight person group very yep. much. Yep. Um, and we just haven't developed, uh, I guess, a, a sales approach for that number because really the market's developing when you explain to people like i'm sitting here explaining it to you um it literally would, could be a hundred conversations like this right um and so we've we've not focused on the smaller employers mostly what we tell them is is tell your people to come here on a fee-for-service basis they'll save a fortune sure um uh, but if you so when people want to come together on the shared plan like that they whether they would form a co-op or some other type of group and come together with one spokesperson and say okay here we're going to bring reform medicine 200 patients um that would be easier for us to do because it's a it's one conversation it's 10 right right? um so that could be how that would go okay um we haven't seen that happen we have seen multiple employers in one location come together we come in and explain to them all what they do and then they decide whether they can work together and so forth um uh, and i know that model exists around the region um, but there's always there are, there's just hang-ups with that because right. everybody's owned by somebody, somebody and those right. even though the people on the ground know that this is a really great thing they have to explain it to an owner who's halfway across the country and yep. So that can get a little dicey. Okay. Okay. So you you know, you you split yourself from the system. You've been doing this now about twelve years or so. You're a very strong investor and, and participant with the chamber. Why do you think that's important for businesses to invest in the chamber and be involved? Oh, the networking. Just who you meet. Um I mean across the spectrum, right? Sure. Just uh, from um, f- financial is what I think I was always running into bankers, right? There's, <laughs> there's bankers and everything. Um, you know, but just kind of keeping your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the community and listening to, you know, you get to see what uh, some of the health systems are doing, which is kind of nice, you know, just kind of understand uh, what the pulse is. Market research, um, all those things kind of happen. Of course, once in a while you get recognized with an award and that's really great, you know, get some cachet out of that um and it mostly it's just fun right when you get to show up things with 
people. It's it's right. just a ton of fun. Yeah. So when I look at, you made a comment earlier about the the cost of healthcare in our area. Um, you know, yet when I look at the providers, let's say, you know, we're certainly not lacking when, you know, we have Mayo and Marshfield and Prevea and HSA and, you know, all of them, Oakleaf and everything. Do you see them as competition or because you're really doing, t- in, in my eyes, something that's really different in a way? How do you view that? Uh, I, the way I, um, first of all, we have great healthcare in this region. The hospitals are great. Every, I mean, I would have no problem. Take me wherever here. Right. If I, yeah. you, know, you find me yep. on the street, take me to the closest hospital. That's fine. They're all yep. great, right? Yep. They're all good. Um, the way, uh, I try not to get too political in this, but if you think policy-wise, the way I think of it is, this legacy system we have is built around how Medicare pays for stuff, right? Right. Who's going to be getting sick the most? Well, it's the it's the elderly population, the people who are older and have chronic health problems and so forth. And so the whole system is designed around uh, taking care of the oldest, most at-risk, sickest people. Um, and because a lot of that money flows out of the federal government, it doesn't come without strings, right? So there's exactly. Um, so there are uh, accreditation bureaus, the Joint Commission, you know, just Medicare itself, CMS itself. Um, everybody's looking over your shoulder to make sure you're doing everything exactly the way you need to do it in order for us to pay you. Right. Right. So there's a huge cost burden to those organizations um, to be able to play in that sandbox, if you will. Uh, from our standpoint, um, the way I see it is basically we're, we've created kind of a parallel track. Um, I, I talk about like train tracks, right? Sure. You've got, you've got in the U S we don't have much for passenger trains, but it's like having the Amtrak over here. It's kind of the old reliable. It may not be on time, but it will show up eventually and get you where you need to go. And <laughs> there may or may not be a bartender. Um, but what we're trying to do for the people who aren't on government insurance is create something that looks more like the European train system. Kind of get on, off you go. It's efficient, right. fast, um, inexpensive, and um, it will occasionally pull into the same station as the Amtrak. That's the hospital. Yep. But everything else that, that doesn't require an acute care hospital to accomplish, um, for example, um uh, advanced imaging, let's say MR, or C- MRI, or CT scans, because those are in a hospital setting, I think they get reimbursed at a much higher rate than if you move them across the street and call sure. it an outpatient center. Yep. Right? Same, same study, uh, same organization, right? Um, doing the exact same thing, but because it's done uh, attached to the hospital, the reimbursement is different. Well, what's up with that? Yeah. Why is that? Um, and so, basically, everything that we can do to help lower people's costs. And so if you don't have any insurance and you walk in there and you kind of get that full price and so on, yeah, ouch, (laughs) right? So there are things that people need hospitals for and those, and we love the hospitals here and when we have to send them there, we do. Um, But knowing that 
there's just that price differential. I mean, just um, within the system, it's crazy. And you don't, right. how, there are books written about this. Um, so I don't see them as competitors so much as um, what we're just trying to create is a system that will allow the people who aren't those really high risk players um, who bounce in and out of the hospital a lot or who are going to need the hospital a lot. When somebody gets has appendicitis, they need their appendix out, right? They right. need the hospital, they need an OR, they need great surgeons and anesthesia and so on. Um, but if you can detach from that and kind of give people that transparency of pricing and so forth. Um, I, I've been doing this for 11 years and I've seen efforts at more transparent pricing and so forth, but it just tends to go away. I just, I think it's very hard for the system to be free to do that because they're bound to Medicare. Sure. Uh, and that ultimately, if people ask me what the ultimate problem is, I'd say, well, it's a fact. It's just the way Medicare is structured. Sure. You know, how well intentioned it was, it's created this. A lot of what you said today, if not all of it, kind of re-emphasizes for me that today it's more about being an advocate for yourself in healthcare, understanding you have choices, um, and not in a negative way, but questioning your medical doctor, people, or whatever. I mean, again, I, I, I'm, I'm old enough and looking at some of your gray hair. I'm, I'm guessing we're not too far apart. <laughs> you right. know, I, I, I was fortunate that our family doctor lived next door. So every time I needed stitches, that is exactly where I went. You know, we didn't go anywhere right else. Right next door. You yeah, know, yeah. And, and all of that. But um, we never questioned. You know, if he said, you do X, you do it. You know, you know, that right. was the way. And so I think part of what I see is a generation of my age, maybe a little bit younger, but asking those questions. Do I, you know, if, if, if they propose this test, well, is there something in between that that isn't quite as expensive or exactly. some far away or whatever? Or is there some place I could? So I, 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 I commend you, and I don't know there's a question, but really I just think it, it part of this is I, I think you're providing an education to people too of there are alternatives. There are ways to get that medical need you have without maybe a traditional you just go in blindly sometimes. I think that's exactly right. Your point is a very good one. I, the with our What we do with transparency of pricing, we also try to do with what is going on. What's interesting is, this, there's so much medical information out there, right? WebMD and right. Mayo Clinic's website, oh. and everybody's got a website, and everybody's got all this information out there. But there's no transparency in pricing, right? right? So people, and honestly, every week I see probably several patients who tell me uh, if they hadn't looked something up on the Internet, they wouldn't have gotten so worried and then decided to come in because they weren't really that bothered by something. But they read on the internet that it could be, uh, you know, some right. some rare thing or yeah. unusual thing for their age group, or you know, they're just very low risk for that one weird thing. But they read about it, and now they got to come now out and make sure it. they don't have it, right? Yeah. Um, but what you can't find is transparency of pricing in the system of healthcare, almost anywhere, um, other than the places that are setting themselves up to provide that transparency. I mean, yep. so. Yep. An MRI provider, for example, right here in town, um, soon to be another, uh, will tell you their MRIs are five ninety five. You know, six hundred and fifty dollars. Like, wow. And that's, that's it? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you 
try to call one of the hospitals. And again, it's not their fault. It's the way the system is set up, right. you know, with right. insurance based on discounts and all these things. And it just gets really murky. Um, so that transparent, and so people come in and they, they have a, a knowledge, uh, just an amazing knowledge really of, of what's out there and what's possible medically COVID-19 pandemic kind of, uh, pushed that along a lot. Yes. Right. And we started hearing about, uh, different virus, uh, types and the antibody types and all these things, different types of tests, the PCR versus the antigen and so on. Um, I mean, people just, they have the opportunity to just to have an entire medical education right there yes. on, in their phone for yep. goodness sakes. Yep. Um, but ask what the price of this test is they want crickets, yep. you know? And so, um, it's fun to, to play that role for people and be able to help them understand. Number one, you probably don't need an MRI or maybe you don't need that today. If this doesn't get better, maybe we'll right. get it next week, you know, right. or something like that. Yeah. But number two, if you do need it, um, based on what your financial situation is, we may send you right over there or we might send you somewhere else because you're going to wind up paying a lot less right. if, if yeah. that makes sense for you to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think as you said too, and I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, so after this I'll stop with it. But to your point earlier, I, I had a traumatic accident back in uh, 2015 and um, spent many days in the hospital. But I also learned with my uh, in the trauma center with my neurosurgeon and trauma surgeon, they both got out of practicing day to day because a lot of the tests they were ordering and were the things they do, they never knew how much it cost. They just that was again practicing at their age. That was just the way they did things, and, right? And and so they were trying to do. But both I remember telling me clearly that the reason they got into back into trauma was that's one room in the hospital that the government can't dictate. Really, <laughs> do you stop and take a pre qualification? Right, right. You know, it's like if if we and and so again, I I just always remember those conversations with them, and I thought, I, how, how did we get to this point that, you know so much qualification has to be done by somebody who is not in the medical field right. and we're being controlled. So right. uh, so kind of get to the wrap-up, try, trying to get to the wrap-up with this is uh, with me is always an interesting thing. Um, <laughs> to you, when you look at your business, the community and everything, what is business to you? I mean, I mean what when when you looked at what you were doing, you know, you, you, you know, you wanted to provide alternatives. You wanted to provide a better service. But as you look at the business community of Eau Claire, how would you define it? The, the business community of Eau Claire? Overall, yeah. To just, you know, when you when you step back and, and you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you maybe trying to explain a little bit better is that when I came here, I, I was really astounded at the level of cooperation of collaboration in this community versus where I came from and almost, I would say, many other communities. Um, you know, when I look at um, two very large construction companies, both working on the same building to get it built, you know, things like that. So when you step back and, and, and look at the various businesses, one that you work with, but even that, how do you view the area? Why, you know, why here? Well, I would say, in my experience, um, what I love about here and the employers that we work with, generally, uh, they're very people-centered. 
Okay. I think Eau Claire is a, a community which I I don't want to say it's a small town, but it feels small mm-hmm. and in very many ways. And uh, if you if you engage it, it can be really engaging and warm. And um, but like when we first arrived, it took years for us to get to know somebody. It was right, you know, the the people I worked with. Um, but we had little kids, and we weren't out going to lots of functions. Uh, it just felt like it took a long time to get to know people. But once you get here and get involved in things, holy man, there's just it's a just a really warm place to be. It's a great yeah. great group of people, and the um, just the the employers that we work with just care so much about their people. That's what's so much fun to work with these groups. And I, I, once you yeah. start. And through chamber events, you get to know people and you start to see how even people you you never met, but you watch these award ceremonies and so forth, and people are just fabulous around here. So um, warm is what I would say. Okay. And, and yeah. um, I don't, as far as, I don't know that I get to see directly the cooperation among uh, businesses. I know there's lots of uh, charitable stuff and so on that right. goes on. Um but you just it's you start seeing the same people over and over and and that's just a ton of fun. Yeah. Well, good. Okay. And any final comments you would like to make to to our audience today before we wrap this up? Well, uh, what I would say is if you haven't um felt like you have the power in in your healthcare equation, you have more power than you know you do, but um always question. Always question. Trust no one in healthcare, not even me. <laughs> no information from your doctor is not, no news is not good news good from news. your doctor. It just means that somebody didn't give you the news. Sure. So if you, um, so just trust no one, ask lots of questions. And um, uh, if it seems expensive, there's probably a less expensive option for a lot of things. But you're right. Some things you just, somebody's going to have to pay for it because right. it's, a, it's a big it's a big need and a big ask, and you need it now. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, hospital. Our hospitals are great. Our systems are great. Um, we're just trying to create a little parallel track to lessen the the cost burden for sure. those people for whom it makes sense. Well, and again, I think it's like it's any business, anything. It, it it's an option. Right. And as a business, that you you have that option. Do you, do you want it? It's there. Um, you know, we never have enough of of what we all need. So this just provides that that service to, to those that are truly interested in it. So David, as, as we wrap this up, my final question is, as part of what we do with this is why does business matter to you and to reform medicine? Well, business at its root basically is, um, people trading things of equal value, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the free market. And, um, so what, what I have found, um, over my 11 years is that uh, both employers and and the people they provide health care for and our patients who just pay us on a direct pay fee-for-service approach are very willing to do business with the, their health care provider. Sure. They're, they're sure. very willing to pay for things if they don't feel like they're getting bamboozled. Okay. If they know, if they know what the prices are and, and they know... There's a a, a a stop a stopping point, and they can control that. Okay, you know, I'm oh, yeah, I probably ought, I could have those eight labs, but I can only afford three today. So let's which three are most important, Doc? 
these are the three I really want to do today then. And they'll be happy to pay for those because they know it's valuable. Right. Right. Um, and because of our time structure, our appointment structure, and we have longer appointment times, we have time to kind of explain why that is the okay. case. Why would you get these three and not those five? Well, I would really like to get all of them, but these three really are critical today. Okay. And and they'll go with that. And they're and people are really willing to pay something for their health care. I don't think people um, want things for free that they really value. Right. They know yep. that this is valuable, and if they can pay something for it and get a good deal, um, I think they feel good about that. And as a as a physician, a uh, healthcare provider, frankly, um, that there's dignity in that right. for people, right? Yeah. To be able to pay something towards something that they value um, and and get what they want. And both of us have a satisfying experience. And so... So be, that side of the business matters for me. That's the okay. the piece that really makes it valuable is knowing that people are willing to um, contribute something to their own health. Um, and frankly, when they do, they I think they get better outcomes because they feel engaged and frankly, they've got some skin in the game. Sure. Absolutely. Very good. Again, I want to thank our guest today was David Usher with Reform Medicine. And again, as we talked, uh, they were just honored at Bravo to Business with Small Business of the Year. And so thank you for coming and uh, telling us your story. And I just, again, would encourage any business out there that would like to learn more, reach out, contact David. And it sounds like we can do those through through your website and uh, see if maybe that's a, a different fit for what you're doing for your employees today. Because again, as we look at, uh, workforce, keeping people, as, we, as we're learning faster, is much more or less expensive than keeping that turnover going. So That's exactly uh, right. Yeah. Providing them health care versus merely health insurance. Health insurance. That's, that's very really good. Very the good. way to describe that. So, David, thank you very much. And, uh, folks, hope you enjoyed our show today and uh, look forward to our next edition of the Business Matters Podcast. <laughs>